Hello and welcome to the Fearless in Love podcast, the show that will help you transform your relationship by first transforming you. My name is Hannah and I'm a relationship anxiety coach and breathwork facilitator, but I've also come out of the other side of relationship anxiety myself. Now that I'm looking through a lens of clarity, I am here to help you experience deep love and connection, not only with your partner, but in every area of your beautiful life. Welcome back to the Fearless and Love podcast. Today I had the most amazing guest. Her name is Sarah, and you might better know her as the founder of You Love and You Learn on Instagram. If you have never heard of her before, she is a fellow relationship anxiety coach who is passionate about helping you feel content, aka peacefully happy in your relationship. She went from feeling anxious, doubtful, and uncertain in her own relationship to feeling a deeper sense of commitment, fulfillment, and optimism than she even dreamed was possible. Now she is engaged to that same person and she has helped over a thousand people from 35 different countries while leading a platform of over 220,000 people who are on a journey to show up more intentionally in their relationships. I adore her content and I was so excited to interview her, especially about this topic. We dove into incompatibility within relationships and how to spot if something is truly an incompatibility within your partnership or if it's fear and perfectionism and control. So if that is an area that you are struggling with or it's a big question mark in your head right now, this podcast is going to help you become so much more clear. We went so deep. There's so much tangible advice to be absorbed here and I'm excited for you to hear it. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Fearless and Love podcast. I want to start by just asking you a little bit about your story. And if you could just give us a rundown, give the audience a rundown on how you figured out you had a relationship anxiety, what that early stage was like for you, and then how the healing process was and how you built this incredible community that you have now based off of what you learned. Mm, Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much I can share, but I it's like with relationship anxiety stories, I'm sure yours is the same. It's like, there's never just kind of this linear path, but I'll try to break it down in, in the order that you ask to help people understand how it looked. But I've been with my now fiance for seven years and we ended up meeting and we lived two hours away. And so we did a few years of not long compared to your long distance, but what I still called as long distance because it was far enough where you had to plan and coordinate. So we were apart for a few years and it was so exciting in the beginning, like visiting each other. And I was really excited about him. And I just thought this is someone who feels like he's really different and I want this to work. But after maybe about a year or so after I love yous were shared, after we had maybe like our first big fight after people started asking questions of, is he the one? Are you going to end up with this person? When are you going to move in the same city? Kind of all those big questions. I started having my own questions pop up too, because my parents had gotten a divorce. And 
I hate using that as like an excuse, but it was a part of my story that got me questioning of how do you know that you're making the right choice? Because I've seen that it doesn't always work out. And so I really want to be sure I'm making the right choice here. So all of that kind of happened and I didn't want understand what was going on. I was just thinking, well, sometimes I feel anxious and other times I don't, but it looked like waking up with a tightness in my chest. I would get you know, gut feelings. I'll put in quotes if I heard someone share a story about breaking up and I was just constantly like on edge if I felt anxious, but then there would be these beautiful weekends together where Nate and I would spend like so much time having like fun and lightness and play. And so it felt very black or white. Like I was either feeling so in love and so excited or I was feeling so scared. And I kind of talk about how it almost felt like this angel devil on my shoulder at times. And when it all kind of exploded was during the pandemic in early 2020, I was put on furlough from my job and I was moving in with Nate for the first time. Um, and it was just all a lot with everything going on in the world. And I think my anxiety was just generally at an all time high and I broke down and I told Nate, I'm not sure I love you the same way anymore. And I was so confused. I was sobbing and we were on a long walk together and the way he responded was like, I could never, it was just so rounded, so understanding. And he was like, I hope we can work through this, but I understand why you would be feeling so anxious. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. And in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is so not about him at all. This is about me and my own stuff. And that's when I kind of started researching relationships and trying to understand what was going on. And the beginning of this community that I've built was really just me trying to learn how to be in a better relationship. It actually kind of stemmed from perfectionism of like, I just want to be better at relationships and like have the perfect relationship and I have to fix everything. But then it became much more about like giving myself compassion, understanding how to navigate anxiety. And I started sharing and people were interested. And I'm sure you felt this way too. It's just people want to hear that they're not alone. And so that's how I've been able to build up such a big community of people who resonate with what I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think I could relate to a lot in your story, especially with how it all kind of came to a tipping point during the pandemic. Because it's like mm. so much stress in the air already and it's kind of forcing you to reevaluate what's going on in your life and to make different choices. So yeah, I I love hearing that and I love to see how far you've come to in mm. what's like relatively a short amount of time, it seems like mm. you were able to create so much more security within yourself that you're now radiating outward so clearly to your audience and I've loved watching you and I've loved following you and for anyone who's listening today and who's curious she has an amazing webinar about incompatibility with relationship anxiety because that is a very common question that we get asked is my relation is my relationship the wrong relationship am I with the wrong person are we just incompatible or is this fear? And is this anxiety? It's kind of the million dollar question. So after hearing your story, I'm really excited to talk about that subject and to dive deeper into your framework around incompatibility and how you're able to decipher between, is it that my partner is just simply not for me? 
or is it that there's something deeper going on there? So mm-hmm. how would you describe that feeling of incompatibility, the fear of incompatibility and how it usually comes up for your clients and how it came up for you? Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate your kind words about the confidence rating and radiating out. And one thing to add in about that before we dive into the fear of incompatibility, which is I'm very excited to go into is just knowing too that I still have anxious moments or anxious days. And the reason this is top of mind for me to share is because lately over the last couple of days, a few people have sent me questions in my community. Like, do you ever still have boring days? Or I posted about this one line of day journal that I was really enjoying. And they were like, I worry that I wouldn't have exciting enough stuff to write. Like, are your days ever boring? Or do you still ever have hard days? Or do you still ever compare? And my answer is always, oh my gosh, yes. Like, I know I'm sharing all this stuff as a coach and as someone who's really shifted. And more times than not, I don't even have any of those old thought patterns coming up anymore because I've done so much work on it. But I'm still human. I still have my hard days where something catches me off guard or I'm just not in the best mood. And then I see someone mention something and that was an old trigger of mine. So I just don't want people to ever feel like just because I'm across the screen sharing this information that somehow I'm fully healed. But with that said, with the conversation of incompatibility, I've come a long way with that. And what it used to look like for me, the fear of incompatibility was really nitpicking every little thing about my partner to try and make sure that it wasn't a red flag. You see these posts on social media, like five red flags to look out for, or make sure this doesn't happen. And what I actually talk about on the webinar is that something that has come up for me and Nate in our relationship, and he's given me the blessing to share this um, publicly, but his relationship with drinking was something that was a question mark for me. I didn't know what that looked like. Like there would be maybe a couple times a year where I felt like my night was ruined or he maybe wasn't as in control as I would have liked. And in those moments, especially when you're already kind of drinking and you're out and about, and then you're trying to go to sleep at night and you have anxiety, it can feel like a huge catastrophe in that moment. And so I would get stuck. Like, is this going to be a problem forever? Am I going to be committing to someone who might have a drinking problem? Like I didn't know what was going on. And luckily I don't feel that way anymore. And I've also shifted my perspective on how he shows up where I'm trying to control less. And I actually trust him more, which has ironically shifted his behavior too. But all of that to say, when you have a fear of incompatibility, it will look like having a microscope out, trying to assess every little thing about your partner or relationship dynamic And it will feel like those sinking feelings or, you know, the tightness in your chest when you might notice something that you're not quite sure about. So that's what it looked like for me. I'm curious if you had any experiences with this and how it looked like on your end. Yeah, you know, it's really funny that you bring up that example, because I often share that I had the opposite where my partner, Alex, he doesn't drink. So I remember thinking like, I can't have fun with him. I can't go out with him. I'm I'm missing out on this experience of being younger and going to bars. We went to um, Amsterdam for a little weekend getaway when he was living in Germany and I was visiting him. And I remember he didn't want to go out to 
the bars at night, which is like kind of a classic thing that you do in Amsterdam. And that sent me spiraling because I was like, okay, I'm committing to this person. And it means that I'm giving up all of these experiences because of him. And I need to convince him to change or else I'm going to miss out. And it's just, I realized that like down the line, I could have probably been that way about anything about him. Like my mind, no matter if he changed that, let's say he went and started going out with me, my mind would have found a different incompatibility thing to focus on. And that would have been my next thing to to change. And then even if he had adapted to exactly how I wanted him to be, I honestly don't think that I ever would have been like, okay, yes, we're compatible. This is the right guy. I'm a hundred percent certain until I worked on my anxiety. So yes, I love that you say that. And I also love that you brought up an example that, you know, could actually be a question mark because the thing that's difficult with this is people ask all the time. They're like, okay, my partner has a hard time with this. Um, maybe it is drinking or something more tangible where it is dicey and it is unsure. And, and it could be something that, you know, your partner actually has to work on. So yeah. is there some sort of framework that you have or advice that you give to someone if they're like, yeah, I don't know if this is a red flag or if this is something that I have to accept or that I can live with and that I can work through and then perhaps he will shift as I accept this thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me go really high level into the incompatibility framework because that kind of helps people filter things. I want to hear and, this framework. I'm so excited. Yeah. And then from there, it hopefully gives people at least a starting point. And the framework isn't like the only framework. It's just something that really helped me. And I kind of pieced together other insights that I've heard from people about incompatibility. But basically, there's three pieces of the framework that might be an incompatibility if you can't accept or respect the differences. So those three categories, if you will, are your life values. What are the things you value, the things that are most important to you? your lifestyle or the vision that you have for your life. So things like, I don't know, like is going out and socializing super important to you and like you need your partner to do that. It doesn't matter if they're drinking or not, but like is being social or spending time with family or um, do I want someone who's interested in the outdoors? Like, is that actually important to you? Um, and then the boundaries piece, that's the third part. So if you have certain boundaries or deal breakers that are kind of like hard and fast nose for you. Maybe some people in their culture, you can't drink alcohol. So then it's like, okay, sorry, like that's a boundary that I have and I can't be with someone who does. So values, vision, and boundaries. If you can't accept or respect the differences that your partner brings to the table in this category, then there is a potential incompatibility. Now, here's the thing with incompatibility, though, is that you can have a bigger picture incompatibility or there can be micro moments of incompatibility where like most of the time everything's all good. But in this one moment, like our values are kind of clashing because I really want to do this thing today and you really want to do that. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect with this, but at a big picture if you can't accept that, let's say your partner really wants to have a big family and you're on the fence, like if you can't come to a conclusion about that, that's going to cause a lot of big value clashes in the future. 
um, and lifestyle changes. And so those are examples to be mindful of. So that's the first half of the framework. Would you like me to pause there? Yeah. Do you mind if I just ask you? Yeah. The first one is values, vision, and boundaries. Values is that like, I have a value of spending time with my family once a week or family is one of my values. And then vision would be what you want for the future. Yeah, val- it, it's those two categories can kind of overlap, but life's, it's like lifestyle and vision. So how do you imagine your life kind of playing out? Whereas values are kind of like the important non-negotiables in your life. Like, let's say you're a spiritual person. Um, can your partner accept and respect that you have spirituality as part of your life? Like that is a value that you hold, but then also the lifestyle that it might create is like, I want to go on retreats and I want to like talk about things that I'm learning in my practice with you. So your value can still affect the lifestyle or the vision that you hold for yourself. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love these. And I love that you put them into those categories and I can just imagine people hearing this and realizing, okay, I actually have to get so real with myself with what's actually in these categories and what is just perfectionism and what is just mm. everything to be 100%. It's like really narrowing down, like, is this in one of those categories? Is this something that I can't live without? Or is this just a preference sort of thing? Totally. And I'm glad you used the word preference because that goes into the second half of the framework, which is that if it's a personality difference, if it's a flaw or like kind of thing that's not your preference, or if it's an inconvenience, those things are not necessarily incompatibilities unless you can't accept or respect them as part of your values, vision, and boundaries. So Let's say even, let's go into a topic that you might get asked about a lot too, like political beliefs even. People might on TikTok or Instagram be like, if you don't agree with them, like 100%, you could not be together. But I know plenty of people in my own clients or in my own life who are married to or with somebody who does not have the same, quote, political standing or beliefs as them but they can accept and respect the differences so the personality difference automatically does not mean you can't be together but can you accept or respect it now even within that category there can be nuances like maybe you can accept or respect most of their beliefs but they have some beliefs that go against something so meaningful to you that you're like no i'm sorry like i can't accept and respect that And that's where, like you said, you have to get honest about what is more of a preference versus what is actually core to who you are as a person. And you would be sacrificing something to stay in the relationship. Okay. I love that. So is there from your relationship, when you think back, was there a preference or something that you thought maybe would have fit into these categories, but you decided to maybe accept it and respect it in your partner? Mm, Yeah, I can think of two. One is more silly and one is more of like something that's ongoing. So the silly thing is that Nate and I are the same height. And like, if I was, you know, in a a rom-com, I might've 
had a six foot tall person. It's like, I think that's just such a societal thing that people will be like tall, dark and handsome. And not everyone has the same taste, but it's just like programmed into us for some reason. And I had a comment about that asking me, like, it really upsets me, my partner's height. And, and that's a common thing that comes up. So I get that. Totally. And I think it's like, it can be about the other person, but I think it's also about ourself. Like we don't want to feel big or like we're taking up too much space, which is own challenge um, and maybe a whole other conversation. But I think it's more than just, I think, being superficial. I think there's like some underneath stuff that is contributing to that fear, but that's more of like the I don't know, silly one that I kind of had to get over because I was like, all right, well, here we are seven years later. Like, that's not going to change, you know? Um, but one that I find comes up more frequently and like I still have to kind of, you know, practice being really compassionate about and accepting and also realizing where my control or perfectionism is dipping in is I'm the older daughter of two and Nate is the younger son of four. And the way that those things play out can be interesting. And it's not that I was like, I have a preference to date an older child. That's not what I mean. But more so like sometimes the way that that played out for him was like, you know, things got done for him very easily or like, you know, whatever you need, I got you type thing. And so sometimes in my head, it's like, I still want the knight in shining armor to come rescue things when I realize that some of that is my own beliefs that are not necessarily accurate. And if I step back, Nate usually steps up a lot of the time. So it's kind of a practice for me to get back from the control again. And it's all just teaching me something about myself when I see preferences in him that I quote, quote, need to be different. And it's interesting because that's something too that sounds like it wasn't as fixed as you maybe thought it was where like mm -hmm. your mind could have told you, I need somebody who's an older child. He's not assertive enough or mm -hmm. he's not a leader. Whereas that wasn't like a fixed personality trait maybe, but something that is also dependent on how you're showing up too. So it's interesting because we could so easily get confused of like, okay, this is a personality trait that my partner has that is something I can't live with when in reality it's something that you could work on as a couple and have a conversation about instead of totally. just getting it off yeah and also noticing too that like Nate is very assertive in many categories and so realizing that within this conversation of something being fixed or not sometimes people have a quality that we admire, but maybe not in exactly the way that we expect it to be shown. So maybe he's very assertive at work, but then sometimes he brings assertiveness into the relationship and other times not. But if I have this expectation that my partner needs to be 100% assertive 100% of the time, it just puts so many restrictions on the relationship and there's so many rules in place that you end up putting yourself in this box of like if this doesn't happen then I can't enjoy my time or I can't feel in love and all the rules stack up and close down any sort of love or openness you have to that person because you're going by the rule book versus just allowing yourself to love and be loved by this person yeah I talk a lot about that rule book it's 
it's so difficult when we have all these things in our head of like how we want our relationship to be. And we tell ourselves, if it's not exactly like this, if he doesn't do this exact thing at this exact moment or compliment me exact the exact moment when I come out of the bathroom after I've done my makeup and my hair or plan every single date, then I'm not going to be happy. And it kind of like leaves out the room for them to show up for us too. Because mm-hmm. it's, like it's so overbearing, like you're waiting for it and it has to be perfect or we're going to be disappointed. So. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I, I totally get where someone's coming from if they're listening and they're like, oh, but it's so hard. Like there's just such deep rooted beliefs that have been programmed as to how people should show up. And it doesn't help that on social media, any given moment, you can scroll by the exact thing that you are hoping for from your relationship and see someone else having a video of their partner doing that thing for them in that moment. And we don't know the full context, of course, of their relationship and how much they've worked to get to that place. But it's so easy to just be comparing apples to oranges and think that if that relationship has this, then mine should too. But there's so many nuances and so much context missing from that comparison. Yeah. Your story about the assertiveness reminds me of one value that I had where, and something I'm sure a lot of people have as a value is I want my partner to be somebody who is invested in self-growth and they mm. about growing as a person and improving and evolving. And I remember I was doing all of this stuff, like spiritual stuff, breath work, meditation, trying so hard to work on my anxiety. And I looked at my partner and he wasn't doing any of that. And I said to myself, like, okay, this is a deal breaker. He's not a growth minded person. He doesn't care at all about this. I am, you know, in a sense, I felt above him. I didn't actually think of that in my head, but I was like, I'm, I'm better than him because I'm, I'm doing all this stuff to work on myself. And he's just going through life. And then I realized he is a growth minded person, a thousand percent, but just not in the way that I am. So I got up of like, okay, he, he does have that value. It just isn't obvious to me because that's not how I've been trained to pick it out. Now I see it in him so clearly where like he loves motivational videos on TikTok. He loves challenging himself with like finances and learning new things about the stock market and, you know, some of those more masculine ways to work on yourself and to grow and to learn new things. And I've had to come to realize, okay, he just because it doesn't look like my value, it is the same value at its essence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of times when I'm working with clients and they feel like they have such a strong personality difference from their partner or they're questioning the framework, like, well, how do I know if this falls into this or how can I accept it or not? Oftentimes when they have more of an open, connected conversation with their partner or when they're coming from a more clear, loving place after they just had a really beautiful weekend together, whatever it is, the problem that they were so worried about doesn't seem as much like a problem. And that's something I think I've learned too, is that incompatibility is also the same thing as complementary Like there's this great quote from the relationship handbook by George Pransky. And 
he said something like incompatible and complementary are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And basically what he means is like what you or I might have once looked at as an incompatibility. Now we realize that it's complementary qualities that yes. bring us closer to our partner and it makes the relationship stronger. But at the time from the anxious lens, you're looking at it as this big bad word incompatibility but if you're more clear-hearted and open and connected maybe you're looking at it as like wow this really strengthens the dynamic and i can see how it balances things out so it's not a right or wrong way to look at it you can look at it whichever way you choose but to me it's often more helpful to find the complementary piece of it i love that you know that makes me think of like incompatibility doesn't mean or sorry, compatibility doesn't mean being the same. I think that's such a huge misconception of like, if we're not the same, that means we're incompatible. But mm-hmm. then I, I really think about it and I'm like, okay, men and women are so different. And the the reason why there's attraction between a man and a woman, usually our masculine and feminine energy is because they're so different. And it's two sides of the same coin. It's like, for example, on my example with the spiritual thing I actually don't think it would be good for me if my partner was constantly meditating and doing breath work and crying alongside me and like doing the exact same things that I do because it might be really ungrounding for me and Mm -hmm. I like that he does it in more of an intellectual way and I'm kind of the more emotional part of the relationship that works really well for us so it's like it's realizing, okay, differences are not a bad thing. It's values that need to be aligned. Definitely. And it can feel threatening when we're with somebody that is different from us because it forces us to kind of look at the world in a new way. Like, oh, I'm not the only person that has a belief on this subject, you know? And I say that with so much empathy because sometimes Nate used to say stuff and I was like, how could you think that way? Like, I thought it was just so wrong but I realized there's not really one way of looking at something and so it can feel threatening and that's why it can be hard and maybe you're like well we're just incompatible I need to go find someone where there's less incompatibility but what you might be saying by that is I need someone who's just more like me and more familiar so that I don't have to be stretched out of my comfort zone and that's where I think there's such this delicate balance between you don't want to be necessarily constantly out of your comfort zone like trying to like convert to it like you don't have to convert to a new religion or like have to completely change your whole identity just to be with somebody right but if you're with the exact clone that's not really going to be helpful either so there's this balance somewhere in the, the middle of that where there's the middle ground and some people might be 90% compatible other people might only be 10% and both of those could still be considered middle ground And that's where self-trust comes in and learning to realize what is your anxiety being projected onto the situation versus what is actually going against who you are and how you want to live your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I also notice with myself when I have an open heart and I'm feeling confident and secure and grounded and just present in the moment, all of these other things that maybe I would label as incompatibilities, I don't really care about it. I'm just having fun with my partner and laughing and I feel like I love him so much and we're having a good time and 
then I re remember those other little things that bothered me and I'm like, oh, yeah, right, that. Yeah, but I have, I'm having so much fun with him. It doesn't matter as much. Whereas yeah. when you're in that place of insecurity, it's like everything seems like it's a huge deal. I remember during my worst times of relationship anxiety, I would think every single argument, every time he would disagree with me, even if it was like the smallest thing, I'd be like freaked out because it would be like, here's another red flag. He doesn't like the same food as me or he doesn't like the same restaurant as me. It means that I need to get out of here. But you're right. It was just me having to grow and stretch and accommodate a different type of person who wasn't raised the same way as me too. Do you think that's a big thing as well as like the differences in how we're raised and then having to come together and realize that, okay, it's not a bad thing that he was raised differently than me. There's no right way. For sure. A hundred percent. I think that's one of the biggest pieces. And that's also why not only are we going to be different from our partner, but our relationship is always going to be different from somebody else's because there's going to be different people from different backgrounds in every relationship. So I used to compare myself to Nate a lot and I would be like, why am I so emotional? And he's so level-headed, even though I loved it about him at certain times when I was anxious, I'd get down on myself and compare myself to him, but in a shaming way, like, oh, he's so steady and I'm not, why would he want to be with me type stuff? And my own insecurities basically, again, kind of blocking the love in the relationship. And then I realized like he grew up in a completely different way from me. And I don't always necessarily feel insecure. There's moments where I'm confident too. Like I wouldn't have started a business or like started sharing my story online if I was a hundred percent insecure. It's like, I can be my own worst critic, but there's moments where he's critical too. And there's moments where I'm confident. So it's not like we are hundred percent equality. And then our partner is hundred percent of another quality. We all have those qualities within us. And so remembering that if there's something triggering you about your partner, you probably also have that same quality too. And if there's something you admire in your partner, you probably also have that quality too. They're just maybe not getting embodied or shown as much in your life as you would like. Yeah. And I'm sure like you've given him that gift of showing him a little bit more of how to express your emotions mm -hmm. and how to maybe show that vulnerability within a relationship. Because I, if it's anything like my partner and I, he also was raised in a family that I think was a little bit more serious and less emotional. Mm -hmm. And it's like I've been able to help him open up a lot more, not trying to, but just being around me and seeing how maybe overly expressive I am at times. It's introduced him to a little bit more of his emotional world. And he just wrote a letter to me recently, and it, it ex expressed to me that one of the things he's the most grateful for is that I my sensitivity has shown him that in every moment, there's something to be felt within his body. Mm. And he didn't have access to that before. Whereas mm. in the past, I used to think that was a really bad thing where it was like, why does he have to be so like stern all the time? And I'm so emotional and I have to deal with all this emotion. He just gets to be calm. It's not fair. Like, like you said, there's something wrong with me, but there's beauty in both sides and we get to blend them together and experience the best of both worlds kind of. So yeah, totally. it's, sometimes what we think is incompatibility is really just 
the beauty of being in a relationship with a different kind of person. Yeah, that's such a cool story. I love that. And I'm such a words of affirmation person. So those types of letters, I'm like, yes, please give me more. Um, But I think that ties into another thing that I talk about a lot is like the meaning that we assign to something can really impact how we feel about it. So the meaning that maybe we used to assign to the differences was this must mean we can't be together. This must mean it's not going to work. This must mean fill in the blank. There's so many meanings that the anxious mind and body can come up with out of fear. And then another powerful meaning is like, this is beautiful. I get to learn from my partner or this is complimentary. This is the yin to my yang. Like those are all just as valid, but we have to intentionally choose what meaning we're assigning to the situation. And if we don't, then the fear-based mind might just throw one out there for us because it's the easier thing. So we have to train. Yeah. We have to train ourselves to feel safe enough to choose the empowering meaning that actually feels inspiring. Otherwise we're always just going to be doom and gloom. And I understand because I've been there before. Yeah. I love talking to you. I'm like thinking of a million different things at once. Like, <laughs> remember as you're talking. Um, yeah. I, I love that. It, it is that like little gift and we get to reframe it. Like even in my example with the drinking in that moment at the beginning of my relationship, it was the meaning of like, he doesn't drink. And it means that I'm with a boring person and I'm missing out on all this stuff. And now I've reframed it to be like, he doesn't drink. And that's amazing because it's making me healthier. And, you know, we get to experience nights in and we get to go out and actually have fun and remember it the next day and we get to have different experiences that maybe I wouldn't necessarily have if he did drink which is like you know there's always going to be a a takeaway takeaway or something that you're giving up so it's something you have to accept mm-hmm. um and then it's also what I've realized with this incompatibility thing is if your partner has something that or doesn't have something that you want in him like, for example, my partner doesn't drink. It's not that you never get to experience going out again or experiencing that thing again. It's that you get to experience that with different people in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that sometimes we think our partner has to be all of these different things to be compatible with us. Mm-hmm. And we forget that they don't have to be our entire world. And in the past, people grew up in giant communities and they would have different people for different things. Mm-hmm. And So now I've been able to experience going out. I went to Vegas. I don't go out a lot, but when I do, it's with my girlfriends and we have a lot of fun. So it's like, you know, you have different people for different reasons. Totally. And sometimes I think that people want their partner to be like someone else in their life. So I've had clients that are like, why doesn't my partner get me like my sister or my best friend? And it's like, because they're your sister and your best friend and they get to understand you on a whole different level because they've known you way longer and there's like a family connection or maybe you have all these past experiences together and then your partner will know you in different ways than your sister or your best friend or your parent ever will too. It's just different. And so that beautifully ties to the story where it's like your partner doesn't have to be your going out buddy, your travel buddy, the person that you do breath work with, like 25 other things. You can do a lot of those things with your partner or some of them, but 
I think it's so important for me, at least I'm such a big girlfriends person. Like when we were living in Sweden for a few years, that was something that I found hard is that I made some great friends over there, but I was really missing just like driving over to a girlfriend's house and doing something more consistently. And so that type of thing has made me feel also so nourished and fulfilled back at home that now I'm feeling even more content in the relationship. Whereas when we were in Sweden, maybe I saw people once a week and that's great, but I also like seeing people like throughout the week and doing like classes. I'm signing up for a ceramics class starting next week. Like I have all these little things that are not relationship related now that are making me feel fulfilled. And then I can fill up my relationship from myself. Yeah. Maybe in in Sweden, you probably would have thought like, I want to do a ceramics class. So he has to do it too. And if he doesn't like ceramics, (laughs) it's a problem. That's what I would have thought. Um, I love how we have that similarity too, because if anyone has heard my story, I was in Germany with just my partner and you were in Sweden. Was it just you and him? Did you have any friends there? So we moved there for his work and he had people that he obviously worked with that he knew. And we ended up making like, I don't want to put a number to it, but like we had some really close friends and then we had a community of like friends and acquaintances that we would spend time with. So we did end up having a really great group of people and I'm so grateful for the experience there. So it's definitely not to say that we had nobody, but the majority of the time was like, we should be either hanging out together or I was working, honestly, like the last three years, the reason why I've been able to pour so much into my job was because we were away and there was no family and minimal groups of people to spend time with there. So I kind of I sacrificed a little bit of my own well-being to focus on the relationship and work. But I believe everything has seasons. So now I'm back at home and I have other things or other categories that I'm pouring more into like creativity or friendships and family again that I wasn't able to as much when I was building the business. So it's it's just I, I trust the timing of all of it, but you learn and you look back and you realize, wow, I was putting so much pressure on the relationship to make me happy. And now I can see that I wasn't doing enough to kind of diversify my own happiness outside of the relationship. Yep. I can relate to that so much. There's so many parallels in our stories. I was mm-hmm. in Germany and I I didn't know anyone. And the people I did know were the girlfriends of, because Alex is a soccer player, the girlfriends mm-hmm. of the other players on the team. And they were nice, but they barely spoke English. Like mm-hmm. it, it was hard to communicate in a normal yeah. way even. So I think that was the time when it was the biggest problem for me, that fear of incompatibility, because I was like, okay, you need to be the person who goes out with me on the weekends and cooks with me at night and talks to me about my mental health because I don't have a therapist here and does X, Y, Z and all of these things because I'm sitting at home alone all day. And he'd come home from work where he was exhausted and practiced and he wouldn't be able to give me even half of those things. And so I was like, okay, he's not good enough. We're not compatible. Clearly, this is a problem. When in reality, once I came home and I was able to say, okay, let me look at this. There's other areas in my life, different cups that need to be filled. And I was able to fill those cups. It was like, okay, I don't need him for all of these different things, but I'm able to enjoy him for what he has to offer me. There was Mm -hmm. a difference between like, okay, 
he's he's not there to make me happy or to fulfill all of my needs. I'm good, but now I can enjoy the ways that he compliments me. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we do have a lot of synchronicities. Nate is a soccer player too and like played after school here and like yeah, that's so funny. Um and he's like a huge fan of you know, like watching it. So that's something that I have definitely introduced into my life the last seven years after knowing him, because I knew about soccer, obviously, like, you know what it is as a sport, but I was not watching games every weekend, let's say before Nate and I started dating. So, (laughs) you know, Alex could have easily said that was an incompatibility when I met him because I, (laughs) I was known for hating soccer because my dad forced me to play it for like 10 years because he wanted to be a coach. Mm. I actually quit. Um, I, I was young. I wasn't like in um, university playing or anything. I was in early high school and I missed a really like obvious pass or actually I passed through the middle and the other team scored. Mm. Dad was a coach on the side and he's like, Hannah, what are you doing? And then I turned around and in front of everyone, I was like, I don't even like soccer. And that was my last day. <laughs> So yeah, then I meet a soccer player and I'm like, shoot, like, I don't even like soccer. This is his entire life. Like he could have easily been like, okay, that's a problem. This girl hates soccer. I need someone who at least enjoys the passion that is like my whole life. But just like anything, I was able to grow to like it. I don't watch it on the weekends like maybe you do, but I mm-hmm. I love watching him play. Yeah. Oh, that I love that. Yeah. I never got to see Nate play. And that was like, now we're going very off topic, but that's like such a bummer when you like know that's such a big part of someone's life and you don't get to participate yeah. in it. But anyway, I'm glad to hear though, that like you guys have been able to have that be part of your relationship, but not necessarily having it be like, it needs to be this, or it needs to be that in order for us to work, because that would be an example of personality differences that you can accept or respect like he plays you don't play it's okay like we're different people it doesn't have to be the same brain or same mindset about something yeah and it's so interesting the way he was able to accept all of the differences so easily because he didn't have anxiety about it like I remember being like I'm not a soccer player and I'm so different from you and I'm so emotional and I'm so this and that, like, why don't you care at all? Like, why aren't you worried about this the way that I am? Did you find that your partner wasn't as worried about the the differences? Totally. Yeah. Nate is very content and I'm very growth minded. So that's an interesting um, yin and yang complimentary thing where he thinks most of the time that things are great as they are. And I actually think that if I would would adopt the same mindset, then everything would be totally perfect because I would never feel like anything had to change or grow. Right. It's like the reason I think a lot of people grow, unfortunately, is not out of, I love myself so much and I want to be better. It's usually at least initially stemming from this place of, I have to fix myself or I have to fix the relationship. So I try to be a lot more compassionate and coming from that loving place now, I still have to practice it sometimes, but he's very good at being content. And that includes being content with everything about me. And then I am a growth minded person, which he is too. He loves learning and stuff, but he can kind of separate that from needing to grow in the relationship as much where I really bring that in a lot of the time. So 
I would say that Alex and Nate are probably very similar and knowing even just a little bit about your story. Now we are more similar in the relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's often that dynamic of like a really perfectionistic, more kind of driven towards growth person with somebody who's like, kind of more go with the flow or like accepting the present moment and happy with what they have. And it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a beautiful balance when you think about it. It doesn't have to be this big scary thing of like, I need you to be pushing like I am for growth. Cause then when I really think about it, if Alex was the same as me, it would probably be pretty stressful. Totally. I know sometimes me and my clients joke that like, if we were actually dating our clone, it would just be chaos. Like it would just be yeah. scary. <laughs> like if he came to me with my relationship anxiety thoughts and was like, I'm not sure about this about you and that about you. And you need to change this, that would really impact me. And I don't know how I would be able to handle that. Whereas he's been so calm and able to, for the most part, when it hasn't been super intense, accept the things that I've said to him and take it in and try to grow. So yeah, I think it's always meant to be the way it is. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful way to close. I feel like it's full circle. Like I shared in the beginning, like when I was talking about Nate with my anxiety, the way I told him it, I was like, I couldn't have handled it myself. So I think it's really beautiful when our partner can like be that compliment to us mm-hmm. and mirror back that like, we don't have to all be the same because I don't want to be in the same relationship with, with myself. I have Nate. So <laughs> sorry, Alex is texting me right now over and over again. And I can't say oh, no worries. I of couldn't course. actually hear it. That's funny. Oh, you can. Oh, good. Perfect. It's doing that. Alex, <laughs> no, I know I'm talking about you, but this isn't the time. So yeah. I've loved our conversation. And I wanted to ask one more thing. If there was someone listening to this who perhaps had a specific thing come to mind during our conversation of like, I don't know if this is a red flag. Maybe it's something like your drinking example, or they had. Um, something happened in the past with their relationship that they're having a hard time forgiving or they're just unsure if it really is an incompatibility. What advice would you give them to try to get some more clarity around that? Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. Well, one thing that comes to mind, this isn't directly answering your question, but I think it's important and it's related, is that sometimes we feel so much pressure to have an answer like right away. I need to know about this. Whereas for my drinking example, with time and with slight changes in the dynamic between both me and Nate, I've come to realize this isn't a deal breaker for me. But if for some reason it became every day instead of twice a year, like then, okay, yeah, that that probably won't work for me. So I think it's important to realize that you don't always have to make an urgent decision unless, of course, you're in danger. Like we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. That's worth mentioning um because i i think that a lot of people would after listening to this if they did have something in mind they'd be like well i have to go talk to my partner right now to figure that out so not rushing into it and seeing if you can be curious and kind of just take the issue as more of like how can i learn more about how my partner thinks and operates versus having to hash it out in that moment and maybe just by asking more questions about how they view something or saying something like, oh, I was thinking about how this could look in our future. Like, what would you envision things looking like? It doesn't have to be in order to 
problem solve, but just to continue getting to know your partner and how they think and getting that information over time. And hopefully clarity will build from there by not trying to force it. Yeah. Staying open and curious instead of like, yeah, I need to figure this out right now. (laughs) And I need to, because, you know, sometimes all of the information isn't even clear yet and you need more to kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together and see the whole picture. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. And the second piece of advice I would just say, we kind of already said it, but trying as best as possible to get into more of that open hearted and clear place to think about the situation. Because as we both gave examples of when you're in that fight or flight and a sense of urgency, you're going to be looking at it from that incompatibility framework or like from the lens of like, this must be an incompatibility. I have to sort through this all versus when you're in that open and clear place, usually you're not as worried about it. And so trying to, instead of resolve the problem, go upstream a bit and actually change your state and have that connection and fun with your partner and let the potential problem or not problem at all, maybe sort itself out. Amazing. I could not have said that better myself. So it's been amazing having you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and sharing your framework. I know that it's going to be so helpful. I have loved hearing about all the different like pieces that you've already mapped out so that it's not just like this kind of woo-woo topic, but it's so tangible. So I'm actually going to go like write those down and reflect on that myself because I thought that was so important. How can my audience get more of you? Hmm. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been really excited to chat and People can stay in touch with me. I also have a podcast, which you're going to come on soon. Very excited. The You Love and You Learn podcast. And then I'm at You Love and You Learn over on Instagram and TikTok. And pretty much between the podcast and those two platforms, I share everything as to how to stay in touch with me. Of course, if you want to check out the incompatibility webinar, you can also do that. It expands on what we talked about today. So yeah, just check it out. And I'd love to hear if anyone's coming over from your world. If they listen to the episode, just send me a message of what resonated and would love to hear from you. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hannah.